Welcome to the Jungle Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Joey, and today I'm joined by Marco Papukowski to talk about the five keys to excellent health. Now, there's no secrets in this one. You would have heard some of these things before. However, these are still the areas where most of us tend to drop the ball, and I say that with myself included. So please listen in. I really like the way Marco talks about this stuff. He makes it very simple and very enticing. And if you have a notepad, you will go away from this chat with a lot of handy takeaways. Before we jump into the chat today, I want to remind you that at the end of this month, we have our last coaches intensive for this year. This is the course that you want to enroll in if you are an aspiring coach, existing coach, or small gym owner. In the course over two days, we cover all of the foundational skill sets required to be a world-class coach and build a successful PT business. Sales, marketing, relationship building, community, leadership, all of the essential things you need to know to set yourself apart from the pack. This course is also the level one certification to join the Jungle Alliance. So if you want to be aligned with us and work in any of our gyms, this is how you would do it. To enroll, simply go to junglealliance.com backslash courses and sign up for the October Coaches Intensive. As a listener of the podcast, you get a 15% discount when you use the code JB Podcast. I will put a link to the enrollment form and also reinforce that discount code in the show notes. I'd love to see you there. Let's get into today's chat. I'm going to do the intro after. Okay. So we're talking about uh, my parents and doing a podcast with our parents and my dad has a really interesting story and, he, you know, being an Eastern European dad, him and I didn't really get along. I mean, we got along, but arguments and, you know, but now that I'm- Wait, what's, bit, what's with that? Is it a volatile, masculine, like- uh, His way of encouraging was to tell you you're not doing good enough. Right. Which now, like my mum would say, why do you, you know, why did you do that? He'd be like, but look at him now, you know? <laughs> I made that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a classic, like- Eastern Euro dad thing. Yeah. But as I get older, as I've gotten older, I really like uh, learned to appreciate them more. Like they immigrated here with me when I was nine years old. Dad was 34, 33. Mum was 30. Um, and dad back in Macedonia used to work as uh, like a bodyguard for the uh, head prosecutor of the country. Wow. So he used to carry guns and drive nice cars and wear suits to work every day. And then we came here and his status went from top dog to literally, I found a photo the other day of him in Burger King uniform. Wow. You know, and it made me realize because I'm 30 next year and I was like, imagine if I moved to another country and went from what I am now, which I'd consider myself like I'm happy with my status to working at Burger King. And so that sacrifice, now I'm like, dad will call me, hey, can you do this for me? I'm like, yep, no worries. You know, like it's all... Whatever you need, I'll I'll uh, help you out. But yeah, doing a podcast with your parents would be, uh, I think, very fruitful. <laughs> I got the idea from um, Scott Pape, who's the author of the – he's the Barefoot Investor. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And have you ever read that book? I haven't read it, no. Cool book. Yeah. If you need help with your finances, which I did. Uh, but um, but he says he, he gives a couple of just interesting little really good bits of advice in it beyond the financial thing. And one of them is, hey, your parents aren't going to be around for very long. What you should do is sit down and I can't remember how he says, but you should sit down, put a camera on and just ask them stuff, like get their life story. Because 
one day they won't be here and you'll just wish you could have had a chance to ask them certain things that kids generally don't ask their parents. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I've thought about it ever since. I'm like, I've got to get my olds on the podcast. You know, <laughs> ask them shit about how they got together and, you yeah, know, Yeah, right. Let's you forget your parents had a life before you came along. <laughs> yeah. Right? They dated, they did the whole, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend and the marriage. Like, they were excited before you came along. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were people too. Yeah, it's cool. Man, when you have a kid, once you, um, I'm guessing you don't have one. Not yet. Not yet? Not yet. Macedonian, of course you're going to have them. <laughs> we want three. We want three, actually, but yeah. Okay, right That's on. That's the goal. We'll see. But um, yeah, it's it's amazing how that stuff just comes into your mind. Once you have one that you're like, oh my God, like my parents, like it just, it reveals all this shit that you were too busy to think about. <laughs> yeah. What? How many, how many kids do you have? I have one. Yeah. My partner has one from a previous relationship, so I have two. Yeah. Okay. But half the time we have one. Okay. So it's an interesting dynamic because two's great. Like two is for me, I'm like two's two uh, two two kids is all I would want. Yeah, okay. But then when we've only got one, like when she goes to stay at her dad's place, uh I'm like, "Oh, I you know, I feel like there's something missing." Yeah, you know. And absolutely. and there is also that personal thing of like I've actually only brought one child into this world. But when I, the reality of it is, I don't, I don't want three kids. Mm. So yeah, it's something that I, I, I think about, like I gra- not grapple with, but I, I go back and forth on it. Yeah. You know? Why do you think you don't want three kids? Uh, there's just a part of me that I'm just like, there's an inefficiency. Okay. There's an efficiency with two. Yeah. You know, you take divide and conquer you take that one i take this one yeah you know yeah um there's a beautiful there's a nice balance to it and i say beautiful it's not like it's it's what you make of it right i don't know if yeah fucking paul who's often the other host on this podcast comes from a family of eight you know they're doing they did just fine wow yeah fijian what are you gonna do yeah (laughs) um but yeah so so as i you know however i interpret it and how i look at it i'm like oh two's really good for me yeah you know i really like that balance but then yeah so when we've only got one and and it's like oh it doesn't it feels like there's something that's that's you know out of balance there yeah interesting why three for you i feel it's i want to have as many children as possible to be honest (laughs) i feel three is is enough to like to maximize that that kind of want to have as many children as possible and then but not over the top where i mean there's another person to consider like you've got to consider your wife at the time like does she want that many kids can she bear can she get through pregnancy physically mentally can she be healthy what's her future going to look like with three kids like there's a lot to consider it's not just like what i want yeah but um you know, now it's hard. People think like, I don't, I don't want to have kids until I'm financially ready. Or I don't want to have kids until I'm whatever the reason is. But if you actually look, there's a really good economist that I love to listen to, an, an old school guy. His name's Thomas Sal, and he's very just balanced. Like he's very interesting interviews and books and stuff like that. And he says like most, if you live in a in a Western country like Australia and you have, you know, mics and cars and you drove to do a podcast and you're drinking coffee and all that you're the one percent of the world like you have air conditioning and and you have refrigeration and you have washing machines and you have all the luxuries of the modern world so 
compared to the rest of the world, not just our little bubble here in Australia, but compared to the rest of the world, you're very well off financially. Um, and so the idea that I can't have kids until I'm financially more prepared, I feel is is not true. I think it's like you can actually do it on a lot less than you think. And your parents probably did it on a heck of a lot less than you think. Mm. My parents had me when my mom was 21, my dad was 25. They had no money. Yep. You know, my granddad had to buy them a washing machine. <laughs> right. Um, so it just depends on how you want to live your life. Like everything's a trade off. Like, can you have three, four kids and do it on a combined income of 150,000, you and your wife? Probably. But you have to sacrifice buying the new car and the new iPhone and going on holiday and you might have, to, you know, it's just a different life. So yeah. everything's a trade-off. That's a Thomas Sowell quote. Like everything in life is a trade-off. Uh, you can't have it all. You always trade one thing for another. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. I um I had a mate who I used to train with down at the uh, the calisthenics gym at Bondi Beach. Yep. And um, he was a, he was an investment guy. He was actually a restaurateur when we were hanging out, but he had an investment background. And um, he, he worked in, he's from France, but he'd worked in New York for many years. He was a hedge fund manager. Mm. And he was very successful with that from like through his early 20s until like his late 20s. Yep. And, um, you know, he was trying to describe it to me at one time at, over dinner and he's like, yeah, they made the stupid dollars. Like they just, you know. And he said... The way it worked was we had a, a, like a manager for all of us and the manager's job was to make sure that we were spending as much money as possible. Mm. So almost every night of the week there was a dinner that we had to go to and the dinner was always at the flashiest restaurant in New York and it was like, you're buying this week, this, you know, so-and-so's buying tomorrow, whatever. And, you know, we'd buy like the most expensive bottles of champagne at those dinners and it was just... He said, what the manager did was make sure that you were emptying everything that you were earning. Best way to motivate someone, yeah. Yeah. Scarcity. And he said, he said when I quit, he said, I, I quit. And all of my coworkers said, you're crazy. Look at the money we're on. And he goes, and I, but I could see it. I knew what was happening. And I was like, no, I'm going to take what I've made. And I'm going to go to Australia. And I'm going to fucking create a life and whatever. Mm. Um. Do you think that that point that you made about, you know, you have enough money now, mm. but we all feel like we don't have enough money, right? Yeah. Like all of us feel like oh, it'd be great to just have an extra bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think that's because somehow the lifestyle that we have is almost like, like we have that manager where yeah. we, just, we just spend what we, we spend our excess to the point where you're like, well, I, I don't make enough. It's like, no, you just blow too much. Absolutely. Like, dude, I'm wearing Lululemon pants. I, I don't need to. They, I mean, they're great. They're comfy. I'm wearing Lulus as well. They fit my but I've had these legs. for 10 years, bro. Yeah. How long? <laughs> yeah. Like six months. But okay. I mean, you know, yeah, we do spend more than we we need to. Uh, fuck, it's, it's a hard, finances is hard, right? Because I think, I think there's like a, okay. So I think the most impactful amount of money that you can make per month, like the sick per month. If you can have a take home of over 10 grand a month, between 10 to 20, that's when you're like, okay, I'm comfortable. Like I can pay my mortgage, I can pay my car, I have some money left, I can save some. That's like a really impactful amount. To go from five to 10 is huge. 
mm. right? In terms of impact for your comfort, like take home money for yep. a month. 10 to 20 is also really huge. Beyond 20, it's like, oh, now it's just excess luxury of what, I, you know, I can buy this car, I can buy another car, they're both just as good, but I'm going to buy this one just because I have the extra money. I think there's like a point where it becomes less impactful to your actual quality of your life. And so then you've got to consider like, what am I trading to make that additional 10, 20 grand a month? Yeah. Like I've got a really good mentor and I was talking to him about business and I said, I really wanted to hit these numbers and do X, Y, Z. And he just sent me a great question. He just said, what will that do for you? Like what, sit down and think about why and what are you willing to trade? Do you want to work Saturdays? Do you want to work nights? Do you want to have less time with your partner? Do you want to... Something's going to give. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a great way to put it, isn't it? Yeah. And it's fine to do it. And I have these conversations and I say, hey, we can... Like when we're making plans about the future, about even with my team, the, the team that works for us, the practitioners, I say, hey, we can do... We can make you all more money because you want to save for... Like one of my head practitioners, her kid trains jiu-jitsu and I love the fact that she can make an income from us and we can pay for jiu-jitsu classes. Like that's awesome, right? But I say, we can get you guys, I talk about their family goals. I say, do you guys want to buy a house? Do you want to move from where you are to somewhere else? And how can we help you do that? And then I make a deal with them and I say, well, we can do that for you in the next six months. We can really push it. But you've got to trade that day for more work and you might not have the time to spend with your kids, but you'll only do it for six months. So I think having a time frame where you're like, for the next 12 months, I'm comfortable working weekends so that I can get to X goal. And then after that, I'm pulling it back. But what happens is we do it and then we make the extra income and then we never want to go back. Yeah. Because now you've normalized that extra money. And you're like, what? going back almost seems like losing, um, like yeah. failing, but it's not. It's just, yeah, you're trading for that period of time and then you can pull it back and on season, off season, right? That's a real, yeah, short term. Yeah. In for, yeah, it's a great way to look at it because absolutely, man, I, I yeah, you once you go forward, it's very hard to go back. Yeah. You've already got the fucking wine subscription. <laughs> you know, you've ordered the new Land Cruiser. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are all dreams of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Land Cruisers. I like Land Cruisers. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Expensive. But... um. But yeah, it's um, it's it's such an interesting battle because we are we're wired, like we're wired for scarcity, mm. we're wired for for survival in an environment that doesn't give much to us. So you got to fight for everything. So now that everything is more or less in abundance, we're still fighting for it, you know. And you're fighting for food. That's why you you want to shove stuff in your face all the time. You know, you're fighting for more money. It's like potentially you're making enough, mm. but you want more because you want to buy more stuff because scarcity. There's no, you know, yeah, it's, you know. I also, I think it's also very important in these discussions to kind of identify that, like like you said, we're in the 1%. If you're here in Sydney, in Australia, even many parts of it, you sit in a very privileged position because you've never had to face the realities of not actually making enough. Yeah, absolutely. For the, for the vast majority of people. Yeah, there are people out there who are like struggling, but for the most, for most of us here, when we zoom out and have a look at our overall life and be like, I have everything I could possibly need to survive, 
Like when we moved to Australia, my dad said to me, he goes, if, to be homeless in this country takes effort. Like, mm. you, you know, for you to go without food, really struggling, you really have to like mess up. Because there's that much support in terms of like social welfare and help and people help like programs. And there is a lot out there. Yeah. Um, Macedonia, there's none of that. Um, right. Other countries, like when I grew up, we didn't have air conditioning. Like we didn't have, our kitchen was tiny. It was, it was like a, it was a very, very small house. Um, so even those lux- those simple luxuries, like we've got the heating on and yeah, we're very fortunate. You know, God forbid you get sick in a country like Macedonia where the nearest hospital with chemotherapy is a two hour drive away. Wow. Yeah. Still? Still. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. So we're pretty lucky. Why did you, why did your dad move to Australia? For those reasons. <laughs> like it was just, he's like, there's a yeah. better life there. Even though he had the good gig and the status. He had the good gig and the status. Um, but at the time there was a bit of conflict. It was 2001 and there was conflict going on with Albania. So we've always kind of had, the Balkans is a conflict area. Um, and I think he just, he just went, this is not a place where I want to raise kids. And you know, I have friends there and, people who train jiu-jitsu now that we've got jiu-jitsu gyms there and is that thanks to rob yeah like shout out to rob no musky opening up I think we've got like four or five jiu-jitsu gyms there now yeah wow all, yeah. all under his banner all under his banner yeah unbelievable yeah um you, you know when i first met rob when it was in a jiu-jitsu class i was a white belt <laughs> no gi a lot of shirts off yep and uh there was this fucking jacked adonis of a man and he was wearing the little tight fight shorts, the little Vale Tudo shorts. <laughs> yeah. And the drill was, um, the drill was, uh, you know, like king of the mat. So everyone line up, two people in the middle and you start on their back and then they have to fight out of back control. Yeah. And it was like, I was up and I had to go attach myself to his back. And I'm just like putting my arms around this dude. I'm like, this guy's Jacks. a fucking man. <laughs> yeah. I was a boy, you know? And uh, he just, you know, just, yeah, it was it was gone, you know. But I just remember being like, "Fuck, that dude's an animal." So funny, right? And then, well, I got to know him a little bit yeah. over the years. We never actually really trained together, and he was always, you know, he was the elite guy, and I was the beginner. But um, classic dude, great energy. Yeah, he's great. Rob and I laugh like we make a joke because he's uh, his nickname is Laptop. Because many people don't know, but Rob's actually an actuary. He's very very smart <laughs> with math. Um, what is an actuary? It, it's the way I understand it. It's like the highest level of financial math. Like they're the guys who do risk management or that predicts mm-hmm. the future of share prices and companies and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Very hard. Um, and he, I remember one time we were sitting at a restaurant and he was like, man, if people knew how nerdy I am, he goes, it would ruin my reputation. <laughs> which you see? Cause I can't let it out. <laughs> so yeah. But anyway, so uh, yeah, I think dad and just, and, you know, it's going to be a better... F- like, there are people there who are so much smarter and more capable and more educated than I am. They just don't have the opportunities to work. There's no jobs. There's no, you know, it's just, it's hard. What was the, um, and this is purely just for me to gain some kind of uh, geographical understanding mm. or historical understanding. Was there a religious war, like conflict between Macedonia and Albania? No, just land. Right. Um, there's a lot of ethnic Albanians that live in Macedonia and most of them illegally across yep. the border. Um, 
and they don't really assimilate with the rest of the communities. Like they stick to themselves. The way it, it, when you drive through a town that's mostly ethnic Albanian, you can tell because the walls and the fences are super high. Wow. Which is already like it's a, you know we don't want Separate. to see us, right? It's very different. It's a different culture. So there's a lot of that going on everywhere in 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 the Balkans. You got Kosovo. You had the like conflict there and you know serbia and bosnia and the balkan wars and so yeah. it's it's a very high conflict region a lot of corruption <laughs> yeah okay politicians aren't exactly in it for the good of the people they get rich and leave and next party takes over so yeah it's not exactly a uh yeah not not a great place to build a life again speaks to the kind of the privilege of a place like this whereby labor liberal you got your preference does it really matter mm. not that much like it's you know oh fuck the libs got in damn it i vote labor oh well whereas like i'm sure in countries like that potentially there's like critical shit that's going to happen depending on who's holding power oh mate people don't talk to neighbors don't talk to each other because they vote for a different party hmm you know, it's uh, brothers don't talk to each other because they vote for a different party. Wow. Yeah, it's a very, like, politics is a very big thing there. And you can understand it because it's a former Yugoslav, former communist, socialist kind of country where that is a serious thing. Yeah. Like, it's a, you know, it's, it's those generations are still alive. Is that essentially left versus right? Is that kind of what those divides are? Pretty much. Socialist versus conservative? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'd love to go there, man. I mean, you know, not necessarily like it's I, beautiful. Yeah, it's I hear like, amazing things yeah. about Macedonia. Come for a seminar. We do seminars every year. Like June, July is always, uh, and, and people from the Balkans all come. There's like a beautiful city called Ohrid. It's on, it's on the water. It's like the, a beautiful lake. It's got historic churches. It's it's beautiful. So you go back, you go there with Rob and you guys run seminars? We I went two years in a row, 2018 and 2019. We did the seminars. Yeah. Um. I haven't been back since because COVID and everything happened, but I'll probably go back next year. Fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. I'll consider that. I'd love to. It's epic. That'd be mad. It's beautiful. Mate, take me to, um, take me to your business. Okay. Tell me, <laughs> tell me what you do. I, I know you through Marco's Daily Dose. Yep. Yeah. The show that you run on Instagram. Show, <laughs> yeah. show the I, eclectic mix of I kind of like it. it everything. The, the name Marco's Daily Dose, it kind of, it remind it. I feel like it's, it, like it alludes to like, oh, what are we getting today? Like it's like an episode. Yeah. And you do do so. I really like your, the pieces where you just talk and yeah. you'll, you'll often share um, like a conversation, like a live conversation that you've had with one of your clients yeah. or some kind of reflection on that, right? Yeah. Like short clips of yeah. like longer form content. Yeah. Um, but this is actually the first time we've hung out in person. Yeah. We never rolled. Never rolled. Never met. Both black belts. Yeah. Um, never met. I've known of you for a while. I think the first person I met who mentioned you was Hewan. Hewan Fate. Okay, yeah. Do you yeah. know you know Hewan? He's yeah, a Yeah, I do. He's an older fella and he mentioned you as like, oh, gut health. Okay. Marco. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's working. Yeah, and I was like <laughs> I was like, Marco who? And he's like, Yeah, he's like a like a high level jujitsu guy. You should know him. And I was like, No, I never heard of the dude. But then, I don't know, some years later somehow I saw it and I was like, oh, okay, that's the dude that Hume yeah. was talking about. Um, but yeah, tell me, like, tell me what you do. I, yeah, for me, it's like, oh, gut health. But yeah, expand on it. 
I'll, I'll tell you the story of how it started because it has to do with jujitsu. So for when I was younger, I was probably like 23, 24. And this is when, in my mind, I was definitely going to be a UFC. Like I was going to be in the UFC. That was like the only thing that I wanted to do. I had finished uni. I did my nutrition degree at, at Wollongong. Um, I was working at GNC. I was, that was like a part-time thing at the time. And I just wanted to fight. Um, and I was fighting at under 70, which for me is a big weight cut. I'm 84 kilos this morning. So big weight cut. And training all the time, fighting all the time, and I started to get staph infections. That was like the first thing that went wrong. So I got one and took the antibiotics and then I was fine. And then three months later, I got another one. And three months later, again, I got another one. And after like the third or fourth course of antibiotics in the 12 months, my gut started to play up. I noticed like my bowel movements were loose and I would go to the bathroom more than I usually would. And it was, it was just not good bloating and irritability I always had psoriasis and I thought that was just a thing that I just had genetically um my sinuses were always blocked that was another thing I always used to have sinusitis like I used to live on Sudafed wow right just, just to, get to kill the inflammation in just the just to breathe yeah right um what else did I have and so that was the four main things it was the uh staph gut sinuses and psoriasis those were like the main things and and I was like, there's something wrong, man. Like, why Why am I 24, 25 and feeling all these things? So I'd go to the GP and I'd ask them and they'd tell me, you're fine. Right? Your blood work looks great. You're fine. <laughs> okay. Which is like the story you hear often with our patients. Um, but then I started seeing, uh, I used to work for a company called Spectrum Ceuticals. Uh, shout out to them. They, they make probably the best probiotics in the world. They're based in here in North Sydney. And... When I started working for them, I discovered the whole integrative medicine and integrative health world. So we'd go to conferences like ACNAM and I would sit in and learn about these doctors that were using lifestyle and nutrition and microbiome and genetics to treat people. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I, um, there was a speaker on the stage, it was a doctor who mentioned jujitsu. And I was like, oh my God, another jujitsu guy. You know, when you're, you know, and I ended up seeing him and he treated me for, he pretty much over the two year span um, changed my diet, put me on supplements. We did a whole bunch of testing. Not to say that my health is perfect. There's always something to work on, but I don't have psoriasis anymore, like zero. My sinus is completely fine. Uh, I haven't had staph infection in like four years. Hmm. Um, Movements are solid. Great. Yeah. Gut's fine. Wow. All through just nutrition. We can get into it, like a lot of lifestyle factors, but mainly like what I don't eat. Right. Which is where people ask me, what do I eat? It's what you don't eat. It's an easier way to frame it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's where the business came about. I was like, oh, I can do this for other people. And that's basically it. So then what was your integrative medicine? Was that your field of study then? So I did a Bachelor of Science in Nutrition and then I, my postgraduate training was pretty much mentorship with, with the doctor that I worked with and acronym conferences, which is how you learn about every quarter they do a new topic, whether it's Alzheimer's or gut health or COVID is a big one at the moment. So that's where I kind of did my postgraduate training. And since then it's just been self-taught and 
subscribe to a lot of newsletters that I pay for and research articles and that type of stuff. Right on. So, yeah. Would you say that your that 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 style of what do you call it? Do you, do you call it a integrative? I would say like or functional health or okay, yep. Um, is it is it view is it a mainstream thing yet or is it still kind of like when I what am I what am I really trying to articulate when I say that? Um, if you're if you're in the presence of another medical professional, someone that's you know mm. studied whatever however many fucking years to get their degree. Do they do they respect that in the same, or is it still like a oh okay cool yeah it's rare that sounds like great stuff it's very rare yeah uh, it's getting more and more popular but you still have and I, I I just don't understand this I don't understand you, you still have the GPs and the doctors and even the specialists who are like you know diet and exercise won't make a difference or I can't, you know how do you even th- oh there's no there's no there's not enough evidence for that like really. Are we still, are we still, you know, if someone is, if a patient has colitis, generally the doctor or the gastroenterologist will tell them diet won't make a difference. What are you talking about? <laughs> like it's literally, a, it's an inflammatory bowel disorder. So you, what you eat directly impacts. Because it's like going there. Yeah. <laughs> How can it not? Yeah. But there's still that belief in mainstream medicine. So it's not as it's getting bigger like it's definitely getting bigger and there are a lot more people that are aware of it but it's still quite niche i would say it's interesting isn't it the it, it, i kind of see it as the the specialist versus generalist sort of debate in a way mm. and it's it's largely what how we sort of frame our training here at the gym and you know everything that we do say with the alliance is like generalization is always better because a specialist will make sacrifices in order to reach high levels of specialization within a given field. Yeah. So you want to be a powerlifter? Great. But you say goodbye to flexibility and movement capacity, yeah. right? Um, I had uh, my physio, Nick Batcher, on the show recently, and we we're talking about the same thing with physios. And I was saying, what I really like about him is that he just has a well rounded view of things, he understands jujitsu, even though he doesn't train it. But, he, you know, he gets – he kind of sees the whole picture when you're coming in and you're getting mm. a treatment from him. It's that idea of, like, having a wide perspective and arguably what we know as conventional Western medicine mm. is extremely specialised in all fields in terms of, like, if I have an issue, say, with my sinus, I go to an ENT, ear, nose and throat guy. He doesn't know anything about the gut. He doesn't know anything about – Nutrition. Yeah. He's not even really into, say, breath work. He's into, I, I do surgeries in noses and shit, you know. And yeah. so, you know, so it's like, and like you can't, like, obviously there's a huge benefit in our society to having that level of specialization. It's allowed us to learn incredible things about so many facets of the human body and whatnot. Yeah. But it's kind of closed us off to, um, it's kind of narrowed our view and I, I don't know like I don't know how I see it if it's like the pendulum has swung too far or whatever it is but that's kind of how I view what you're talking about it's like being able to see the whole picture mm. and going okay well actually all of these systems are interconnected and let's look at how one might be influencing another yeah 
Well, I think about, I explain it to patients as if you're an athlete, a professional athlete, you would have a care team. You would have a physiotherapist, a chef, a doctor, a surgeon, a psychologist. You would have all those things. And so why don't you do that for yourself now? Because you demand quite a lot. Like if you've got to raise kids and run a gym and run a business and then you want to train, you're essentially a professional athlete, but in life. And yet you don't have a care team. So it's, and also having somebody who can zoom out and look at the overall picture is like having a head coach, right? Like you want someone that can put the pieces together and say, when did the issue start? Um, How have you tried to fix it since? What happened in that time of your life? Did you move countries? Did you change jobs? Did you have a child? What, did you go through a divorce? Was there something stressful? Um, Did you change it? It's not all just... Uh, physical. A lot of it is circumstantial, and when you go to a doctor's office, no one asks you those. They don't ask you those questions. No. You know, so you've got to put the pieces together. You're a very complex human being. Like it's not a simple. I have acid reflux. He's an axiom. It's not like that. <laughs> um, so on that, is it when you boil it down and when you look at it, is it is the solution often? Because the complex issues, right? Mm. Human bodies are complex thing. But is the solution often quite simple? Or are they are the solutions also complex? The principles apply to everyone. But then there are certain things that make a big difference. Like if certain supplements or certain forms of a supplement that might be different for one person to the other. We can improve everyone's health. I could, you know, I could tell you in five ways how to how everyone could feel better. You know, it's like eat. Let's talk about that. Yeah, like, uh, I, okay, let's talk about the most general things that we see in people who, tra- in everyone, but let's just stick to people who train. Uh, protein deficiency is a big one. Most people under eat, right? Especially females. We yeah. have, they get what we call hypothalamic amenorrhea. Like their hypothalamus turns off their ability to reproduce. And so they lose their period. They don't eat enough. They have more anxiety. Their thyroid struggles to keep up. So most female patients under eat, especially protein because protein is vilified, right? Yep. Um, Why is protein vilified? Because like, like in part of the, the plant-based movement? Or? I think so, yeah. Yep. Mostly the plant-based or movement. I, I, maybe it's just part of too, like staying slim, eating things that are just not, you're just not eating enough food. It's not nourishing enough. Yeah, you're just not eating enough food. Um, but yeah, protein, there's a whole, we'll get into that. So that's one yeah. of them, right? Under eating, uh, under sleeping. Almost nobody sleeps enough, right? Um, Speak to that. So when I, I wear, normally I wear an aura ring. Um, and I remember when I first got it, I was like, yeah, I get eight hours of sleep. No, I'm in bed for eight hours. <laughs> but if your sleep efficiency is like 88%, you're getting six, six and a half. Yeah. Which is nowhere near enough. So most people need to sleep more, uh, eat more, um, move more, even athletes. This is, I remember when I was like preparing for fights, I would train in the morning, train at night, but in between, I didn't do much movement. So really I have a sedentary lifestyle with intermittent training that's intense. Right. But I'm not really getting many steps in, I'm not walking much, I'm not stretching, I'm not. So most people are very sedentary. Yep. And when they think of getting healthy and losing weight, the first thing they think of is which gym do I join or what class do I do or how much exercise, but there's a lot you can do before you get to that stage. Like, for example, walk 5,000 steps. 
go for a 15 minute walk after each meal so you can balance out your blood sugar levels right so no, most people don't eat enough most people don't sleep enough um, most people don't move enough which those are like the uh, common ones that we know I guess another one that's a bit more complex is is relationships like most people are stressed their work relationships aren't great their in, like intimate relationships aren't great their friendships aren't great and so most of us don't actually have enough human contact especially after COVID and then stress like the fifth one is chronic stress and especially in the last few years it's almost like our you know, humans have a thing, like when you walk into a jiu-jitsu gym and you put your gi on, you take your work clothes off and you put your gi on and you put your belt on, you change frames. You're now leaving one thing to enter another thing, mm -hmm. right? And you do the same thing when you go to the office. You leave your home, you put your work clothes on, you go to work and then you leave work and you come home and you get changed and you enter another frame. Mm -hmm. With what's happened over the last few years where people are working from home, we've lost a lot of that. Everything's dissolved into one. Yeah. So you wake up, you have a cup of coffee, you get to the office, you're still in your pajamas, you do your Zoom call, <laughs> right? And then you might go to the gym, you might not. You, it, it's just like people are kind of, we've lost rituals, I, I'd say. So there's a lot of chronic stress. Which kind of, does that go about sort of those boundaries or those parameters mm. that we would like, that, that's my work time, this is like, they're kind of gone. Kind of gone, yeah. So everything bleeds into another thing. So your work stress bleeds into your relationship and then your relationship stress bleeds into your training and it kind of just all becomes convoluted and you're like, I don't know why I'm stressed, but I'm really fucking stressed. Yeah. Right? Um, like <laughs> Chloe and I, who's my head practitioner, we were laughing yesterday about one of the patients who's a really driven guy and he's been getting arrhythmia, like his heart rate's like, you know, he's waking up because his heart rate's so high and we were saying like, hey, you know, if you're not getting arrhythmia, like how much do you really want it, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's everyone, a lot of people that, a lot of people are feeling that way, you know, a lot. So I th I'd say those are the five big things. So two, two sort of things I want to drill into on that. With the relationships piece, mm. Talk to me about how important relationships are on, on health generally, physical and mental. Because I think it's very easy for, like I think for a lot of people, we, we go, yeah, relationships are great. And, you know, it's, you know, mm. yeah, man, you got to be around good people and yeah, community and stuff. But at the end of the day, we don't really value human connection anywhere near as much as we value, as I, I, would, I would argue most people wouldn't value that as much as they would value, say, nutrition or sleep when it comes to being healthy yeah you tend to think of it as just like it's a nice thing to have um yeah well let's let's go the most important relationship which is your intimate one right because that's the person you're going to theoretically spend your life with and that they a lot of psychologists say that even in longitudinal studies like long-term studies they say that that particular relationship will be the the biggest determinant of your quality of life and health on how much money you have, not even your health, like physically, even if you're an unwell, like one well person, if you have a good, solid, intimate relationship, you'll be much happier overall. So I think that's a huge one. Um, I had a thought, I had something in mind, but it kind of left my... That's a, that's a real fascinating one. I, I say that as someone who 
I, I abruptly ended a relationship that I was in yeah. to, to be in the one that I'm now in, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. It's, an, it's an incredible relationship and I feel, <laughs> I feel so fortunate yeah. that I'm in it. Um, but I, 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 I ponder it often and I think, man, if I hadn't have met my partner now, yeah. that never would have happened. And I probably would have stayed where I was yeah. because it was okay. It was good enough. I was in it. I had invested, you know, seven years or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, got, got, you know, got a, like a, what are the cost by, you know, I've already invested time. So Some cost fallacy. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Like, let's just keep it going. And, and I see that in other relationships and I, and you know, and I wish that I could say to people, well, we should do what I did. But the reality is it was luck that I came yeah. across that person when I did. And, yeah, absolutely. And and there's a saying in French, I don't know how to say it in French, but he essentially says like, if you see a man and he looks like he should have the world at his fingertips, he's got everything, he's, he's successful, he's smart, he's physically capable, blah, 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 and you see him hanging his head, find the woman. <laughs> right. Because it can, you can have nothing going for you and you can have the right woman in your life and it'll make you, It'll motivate you and it'll make you happy and you'll, you'll be able to get through anything and it can be vice versa. You can have everything. You can have the wrong relationship and it'll completely destroy you. That's been my experience. Yeah. Um, so like that, how you're saying, you know, you feel, I guess, blessed, fortunate, lucky to have what you have. Like that's huge because you could, everything could fall apart for you, but you still have that support network which will actually keep you quite healthy, you know? So, um, and when you say healthy in that context, you're talking about the same, like it'll keep your body healthy. It'll keep your mind healthy. Like it, it has a powerful effect uh, on your physiological health. Right. Yeah. There's a really good, um, there's a really good study, the Gottman Institute. So John Gottman and his wife, they started this like bed and breakfast thing where they'd bring couples in and they'd, study them and they would they would determine with 90 percent accuracy which one of those couples are going to get divorced and which wouldn't wow right and the way they would do it they would actually measure their heart rate variability their heart rate during arguments their blood pressure everything right and on the outside they look very calm the heart rates were like 160 beats per minute right during a confrontation or an argument or a discussion so people don't realize like your environment or how you interact with people, your relationships, your, it has a physiological effect. Anxiety is not purely mental. It's very physiological. So is depression, right? Um, you can't have a unhealthy environment and a healthy body. It doesn't work that way. Right. I mean, that even as a concept is probably counter to a lot of what we of a lot of the, not counter but it's not the frame that conventional medicine comes through is it no conventional medicine is like this is the body and this is yep you know i mean i fucking love it when someone says to me hey have you seen this and it's an article that's like study shows that you know lifting weights a couple times a week increases mental health <laughs> or and you're like yeah yeah, yeah thanks mum. it's uh, <laughs> had a read yeah blown away but but it, but you know it just speaks to that sort of conventional thing where we have where it's like Physical and mental are separate in a way. Yeah, and they're not because the brain is the master organ. The brain regulates and controls everything. And the brain's only job and its only concern, it's its survival. 
just wants to make it to the next day. Doesn't care about the future you, doesn't care about future problems, it cares about now. So if it has to sacrifice a, uh, if, if, like for example, let's take depression, right? A lot of people feel depressed and, and now it's a big, big problem and we tend to think of it as purely mental. But let's just say you're running really low on resources. You don't have enough nutrition to run through your day. You're vitamin D deficient, you're B12 deficient, you're iron deficient. You don't have the resilience, right? And your brain is trying to figure out a way of how it can survive efficiently with such low resources. So what does it do? It makes you want to isolate and it depresses your energy and depresses you from wanting to go and interact and do things because people are dangerous. And so is the outside environment. So we don't know if we can cope with people and viruses and potential uh, threats to your immune system and maybe getting chased by a tiger or fighting another tribe. So just sit in your cave, isolate, because this is the, the most efficient way we can survive. Wow. What happens if we rebuild those resources and we make you physically better? You have more iron, you have more B12, you have more vitamin D, your immune system is more robust. Will you still feel as depressed? Most people don't feel as some people still, you know, struggle because there are there are some things that are like purely psychological. But for the most part, you can make a heap of improvements by attacking the physical first, because your brain now goes, "Oh, I've got you know scarcity versus abundance. I've got an abundance of resources. Let's go test myself." That's how I think of the connection between mental health and physical health. Wow, that's a really interesting way to look at the depression piece. Yeah. And of course, it's, it's simplifying a, a thing, but, but in, in a way, as a way of thinking about it, <clears throat> trying to, um, yeah, I, you can't help it. When, when you hear someone like that, I think about the people that I know who struggle with a bit of depression, I'm like, oh, I've got to get those resources back up. Yeah. You know, but yeah. What's the, um, I think the fascinating part of that is that, when you realize that there's there's a benefit to that thing you're dealing with. I remember reading once that, um, and I could get this wrong, so you can probably correct me if I have, but I remember reading once that um, type 1 diabetes evolved, uh, believed to evolve in parts of Northern Europe mm -hmm. where it was extremely cold. And it was uh, as, a, as, a, as a mechanism to keep people, keep their body temperature up um, by not breaking down the, the sugar in their blood mm. through insulin, they could fuel brown fat stores or it allowed them to deposit more brown fat. Yeah. And brown fat kept them warmer as it does with, with babies and stuff. Yeah. So it was this thing, this mechanism that evolved as, to help them survive. But the problem is, is that now once you're in an environment where sugar is available, yeah. if you have that mechanism, it, it fucks you up. It's out of context. Exactly. Yeah. They're all survival genes out of context. And is that is that the way is that the way that it, like they are all pretty much yeah like, yeah, auto, like the, auto it's always conditions a, yeah are basically hyperimmune. Your immune system's trying to defend you, but in the process, it's attacking your own cells. That's autoimmune. So at some point, that was really beneficial when we didn't have antibiotics when we didn't have you were able to create so much inflammation that you would heal and survive when other people didn't. The rest of the tribe died. You made it. That's why you're here now thousands of years later. But it's the same uh, mechanism in a wrong context. 
Right. So that's why lifestyle is so important now, like even more so. Right. So, um, man, our, our modern world is not built for health. Like we have access to too much food that we otherwise would never make. Like take a croissant, for example. Mm. Do you know how difficult it is to make a croissant? I've been told a lot of layering and... Yeah. If you had to cook it yourself, you probably wouldn't have it very often. No. Right? But because it's available and someone else is doing the cooking for us on a more industrial basis, like higher... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Higher scale. You can just buy it for a couple of dollars and eat it every day if you want. Hot chips. If you had to cook them yourself. Oil, big pans, big pots. Where the fuck do you get the oil from? It's a huge thing, right? But now you can just buy it. So we've handed over our cooking and processing and preparation of food to industry. Industries, they want profit. <laughs> that's, how they, that's how they run. Yeah. I'm really concerned about your health. You should be concerned about your health. So tell me, talk to me about what you see those. So let's say like food, food's one. What, other, what are the other main culprits? in our modern world that trip people up with their health? Food's the biggest one. Um, Alcohol is a huge one. It's just been normalized quite a lot. Um, And chronic chronic stress. Alcohol, okay, I think, you know, let's say, yeah, that, that, that that makes a lot of sense. Talk to me about chronic stress. Um, let's say pre-COVID. So before, you know, because that was a yep. unique situation. Maybe maybe not moving forward. But um, prior to that, prior to COVID, what, was, what is it that's causing people stress? And how does that manifest? Well, let's look at the average day of somebody who works corporate. Average person. And I see, like, I, you know, I go to the cafe every morning and I see people catching the train and what they order and... <laughs> a little bit you know perceptive that way i'm curious to see what people order so they'll get up they um you know will put their clothes on they'll start walking or driving to their workplace and on the way they'll get a croissant and coffee so we've already started with a blood sugar spike and a big dip they go to work they sit in front of a screen for eight to nine hours usually more they're overworked for lunch they'll have something quick their guts not working very well um, they've either taken some, they've definitely taken some form of medication, whether it's a Nexium or Ritalin or a, whatever they're taking, right, to cope and get through their day. Which is to help with some condition that they've got? Some condition that they've been diagnosed with. Yeah. Right? Um, then they get home around seven, I'd say. And by that point, they're usually exhausted. And so they don't give the best of themselves to their partner or their children and everyone's kind of overall unhappy. That has more stress to the home. They go to bed around 12 because the only downtime is after 9 p.m. So they'll eat ice cream or chips and watch TV and be exposed to blue light and not get a very restful night's sleep. They go to bed. Because they haven't had enough REM sleep and deep sleep, they don't really repair, they don't recuperate, their brain doesn't detox. And so they wake up and they do it all over again. And they keep doing it for 365 days a year, every year, for 10, 15, 20 years, every day. And that's a huge stress. And most people actually normalize it and they go, but I'm not stressed. 
But when we, we can actually, we use a scale when we bring patients on where we measure, we go, there's like 25 life events and each life event has a different uh, point system as to how much stress overall you're experiencing. And when we go through it, people are shocked. They're like, yep, that happened, that happened. I had a death in the family. I've got a mortgage higher than X, X amount. I've had a change in circumstances. Boom, boom. And we go through and we tally the points up and I'm like, you're extremely stressed, objectively. You might think you're coping with it, but that's because you've just normalized it. And that's chronic stress. And most people, unfortunately, live their life that way. And I think they live their life that way because they don't deliberately plan it. And like this is Jordan Peterson has a really good thing called a self-authoring program where he gets you to plan your daily life, like from the moment of wake up, of you waking up. What do you want to do? Do you want to drive to work? Do you not want to drive to work? Where do you want to live? How much money do you want to earn? How many kids do you want to have? All these like really hard questions so that then you're making a conscious decision and a trade-off to say, I don't want the extra 20 grand a month. I want to work from home so I can be with my kids. Yeah. Or 20 grand a year, whatever the case is, right? So I think most people just fall into that unconsciously and all of a sudden they find themselves eight years down the line, 40 kilos heavier, very unhealthy, going, well, how the fuck did I end up here? And the road back is perhaps too long, too arduous for a lot of folks, isn't it? Ah. Well, you've got to give something up. <laughs> you know, maybe you give up the uh, high paying job and go through a medium paying job because you want to work four days a week instead of five. Who knows? Like something's going to give. It's either that or your health. Geez, that's a grim picture you paint with that. And I don't disagree with it at all. I, I see it playing out as well. Yeah. I love observing people. Yeah. You know, and it's, and yeah, you're like, I mean, I, I, I'm fortunate in, in many ways. I've never, never been in the corporate scene. Mm-hmm. never had any jobs in that you know i've been been in other jobs that brought their own whatever unhealthy nuances to it yep. but, but that as one in particular where you're like even the clothing that you have to wear is incredibly restrictive to your body you yep. know like there's just there's so many you're in an artificial environment under fluorescent lights which we are right now but most of the time it's downstairs outside on the gym floor it's you know yep. it just there's a lot of stuff in that 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 you can see are not benefiting your physiology yeah, absolutely. So that's, um, unfortunately, that's most people. When someone comes to you and they're like, hey, man, uh, like I'm, you know, whatever, working for Price Waterhouse and doing the thing and I put on the leather shoes every day and catch the train in, do you hit them with that real talk straight away? Or you, <laughs> do you have to be a little bit more, do you drip feed the stuff? Uh, I'm pretty upfront with the hard questions. Um, that's why we have a whole, uh, an entire female team to balance out the <laughs> like, to balance out that energy with our patients, like good cop, bad cop. But I, um, yeah, I, I generally will, one. I'll ask them why, like what, like what do you want? When do you want it? Why do you want it? And why is what you're doing now not like why is it so bad? Right. Most people are like, you know, I really want to get this fixed. Why? Why not just live with it? Give me your why and then I'll tell you how because if you don't have the why, the how doesn't matter. Mm, It's a a, a great counter question. Yeah. Yeah. So the more I've done clinical work, the more I realize it's like 80% psychological. Right. 
you know, it's, it's easy to give people the take this supplement, cut this out, eat this instead, do X, Y, Z. The math part of it, the biochemistry part of it is quite easy. Getting people to make behavioral changes is the really difficult part for all of us. Like we all have things that we're trying to do that we just don't do. Like for me, it's like doing my mobility and rehab and I'm like, fuck, I do it like once a week, you know, at best. So there's always something that you need, you need to change. And the older we get, the less neuroplasticity we have, the more ingrained our patterns become, the more difficult it is to do. So learning new things and like being challenged as you get older is really important, right? So yeah, first I get into the why and the why not. Why not just live with, just keep doing what you're doing? Doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> And so that really forces someone's hand then to, to look at, well, what are the outcomes of this? Or what are the, what is the, what are the skeletons in my closet that I'm, that I'm actually trying to address here that maybe I don't want to bring to the forefront? Yeah. It's future pacing. It's going, okay, say you continue on the path you're on and you have early signs of osteoarthritis. What happens in five years' time? Do you know what medication you'll be prescribed? No, I don't. Okay, I can tell you. And here are the side effects and this is how you have to administer it. This is how you have to dispose of it once, you know, once you've used it and this is what it can do for your quality of life and are you prepared to do that? No, why not? Seems pretty... Like, why not? And then you go down the, okay, well, let's do this instead then. Once I get that emotional, like, once you paint that picture in someone's mind and they can see it, because most all of us think we're invincible. I never thought I'd get injured. I never thought I'd have health issues. You always think it won't happen to me until it does happen to you. And sometimes it takes like a good practitioner to say, this is what's likely going to happen or it's more probable that this will happen if you keep going down the route you're on. Like if you're eating unhealthy, you're highly stressed, you're not exercising, the probability of you having a chronic condition or dying from something tragic like a heart attack is there's a higher likelihood of that than of you not so i have to tell you like if that's what i see i have to tell you what about um for people who tell me about some of the most common things that you will be treating mm -hmm. or addressing with people who are like and i'm thinking about people who train in my gym here yep decent shape yep probably pretty busy exercise regularly mm -hmm. but you know also probably don't get quite enough sleep diet isn't quite like the nutrition isn't quite where they want it to be mm. above average though um talk to me about what you see in people like that that are the common the common things that they're not addressing or that they could be improving? Generally some form of like autoimmune or digestive issue. So generally uh, there's maybe a, a genetic component to the autoimmune. Mum and dad had a thyroid issue and now they've got a thyroid issue, right? And that's set off by a combination of things. So thyroid's a big one, um, even in men, even though it's mostly undiagnosed in men, it just gets ignored. Um, what is and what is uh, what does a thyroid issue often result in? So your thyroid is a master regulator of your metabolism, and so there, there's there's a few things that can happen. It can 
You can have hyperthyroid, hypothyroid, Hashimoto's, Graves' disease, you can, and then eventually potentially thyroid cancers. So if you have an underactive thyroid, you, you pretty much don't have enough hormones to run your day. And so you tend to gain more weight. You tend to feel more fatigued. Right? Everything just feels – it's like walking through a wind tunnel. It's like, man, everything just feels so hard. If you have an overactive thyroid, it's the opposite problem where you have a difficult time gaining weight. You get bloating and bowel issues because things are moving too quickly and you sweat and you can't regulate temperature and your heart rate's higher than normal and you get kind of arrhythmia every now and again and sometimes even panic attacks. That's a hyperthyroid and I see that a lot in athletes. Okay. Yeah. I see a lot of thyroid because we push so hard, right? And so your thyroid's like trying to keep up with all your demands. Yep. And you keep pushing because, you know, most athletes are quite strong-willed. And so you um, you end up overdoing it sometimes. And is that is that something that you, you cause for yourself? Or, and here's an interesting one, is there a case for people who potentially have hyperthyroid Mm. they have a hyperthyroid right or they, they they deal with a bit of that that they naturally find their ways into <laughs> highly demanding athletic sports <laughs> because it suits their high output energy yeah maybe it could be like that's i think that's more of like a higher you're hardwired in terms of like dopamine um i heard somebody talk about this the other day i think it was on andrew, i think it was andrew huberman actually talk about dopamine being the achievement molecule it makes you want to achieve things so generally people who are achievement driven tend to do sports so that they can compete so that they can win <laughs> yep and that same framework or mindset is also the things that can lead you to kind of overdo things and cause health issues so i don't know it's probably a combination of both makes sense i remember um a fellow that i an osteo cole clayton smart guy that I did a workshop of once recently talking about breath work mm. and nasal breathing and vagal tension and, or vagal tone and all that kind of stuff. But he was saying that um, there was a, a study that showed a lot of people who move into um, like intense physical output activities, CrossFit, um, whatever, boot camp style activities, maybe, you know, certain sports – are people that are actually um, basically shit at breathing <laughs> because they have like a deficiency day to day. But when they go play the sport or do the thing, they pump through all this oxygen and it makes them feel good. So it's, it kind of reinforces like that's, that's, that's me. I understand that. I catch myself not breathing sometimes. Like actually not at all? Like just breathing really shallow. I'm like, why am I breathing so, so shallow? I'd say I'm a pretty poor breather overall. I'm, I'm assuming you haven't read The Oxygen Advantage yet. No, I haven't. I was blown away by that book because he, his, his point is that our biggest breathing problem is that we breathe too much. Okay. As in too many breaths? Too many no breaths. Minute? Yeah. Too much oxygen. Okay. And he said, and mouth breathing is bad for a bunch of reasons. But one of the main reasons it's bad is because you're moving a, a, a big volume of air. So I pull big breaths in my mouth and out. He said, 
the ideal breath that we're looking for in a calm, relaxed state should be barely perceptible to someone who's watching you. Mm. And he's like, and that's what the nose does. The nose restricts the amount of air you can get in, which increases your carbon dioxide tolerance. And it's having a high tolerance for CO2 that is the hallmark of a good breather. Mouth breathers have low tolerance. That's why they've got to move it in and out all the time. Yeah, okay. Which for me flipped it on my head because I've always been a mouth breather. And I, and I always thought that, oh man, I don't, get enough ox- I don't get enough oxygen or some shit. So I need to work on my breathing. But it was for the wrong reasons. When I read that, it's like, yeah, because you're a mouth breather, you breathe too much. Yeah. So it actually just flipped the, the thing for me. I, Speaking of, that reminds me of another really common thing that we oft, often goes overlooked, which is sleep apnea. Huge problem. It's like a silent epidemic. How is that? One in two men suffer from sleep apnea and one in four women. So a lot of it is metabolic. They're far too inflamed and overweight and they just, or their mouth breathers, they breathe through their mouth at night. Mm-hmm. Um, huge problem because you wake up feeling groggy. You don't regulate your metabolism as well, your blood sugar. You, it, it, It's a massive problem, sleep apnea. So not only do we not get enough volume of sleep, but the quality of our sleep is also quite poor. So if you have sinus issues, for example, well, then you're breathing through your mouth the entire night. Yes. I've been a mouth breather forever. Yeah. And, and I had shit sinuses. And I've been taping my mouth shut for the last three months every night. Do you use nasal strips as well? No. They help. They help, right? They lift pretty much the, the skin and open up the airways a little bit more. I'll give, I'll give them a try. But here's what I've, here's what I've learned is that simply by not allowing myself to breathe through my mouth, my sinuses have improved. Yeah, wow. And it's almost like it was just a neglected apparatus. Yeah, don't you... I'm not using it, not so, using it. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it like goes it, yeah. rusty and shit. <laughs> yeah. And then now I'm using it, it's like, hey, it actually doesn't work that bad. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I've, I mean... Do you, feel be- do you feel more refreshed when you wake up using mouth tape? That one, I'm, I, I would say marginally. I would, it's not been a significant impact. And part of that is I, I got a, you know, a one and a half year old in the bed with us. So sleep is not as ideal as, yeah. you know, it hasn't been, it just hasn't been a consistent testing ground. Yep. But I would say, I would say on the whole, yes, my sleep quality has improved. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I feel way better and I mean, even just, you know, anecdotal benefit, I don't wake up with a gross mouth. Yeah. Dry mouth. Absolutely. Yeah. Dry mouth. I'm like, oh, I've got to go brush my teeth straight. I wake up and like my mouth is fresh yeah Yeah, it's been closed all night i want to ask you about your eat to win philosophy what is that you're not ready for that (laughs) tell me give me the secret sauce what is it i love this i've worked so hard in my life (laughs) to create brands yeah you know to create jungle brothers the jungle alliance this thing you know that we bring to the people i've worked you know underpaid (laughs) <laughs> overworked for years on end to you know bulletproof but still to this day the most successful thing that i the, the thing that's gotten the biggest traction <laughs> with the people is eat to win oh man it's good i like it it's fun you eat, have a knack for names thanks man eat to win is a uh it's it's a term that i coined it's very tongue-in-cheek 
Yeah. And it points to it points to an appreciation of food. That is essentially what it is. It is it is taking pride in your relationship with food, in how you prepare it, mm. enjoyment. It is it it speaks to gaining nourishment from the food, but it's not exclusive to healthy foods. Mm. As an example, I can be on a road trip at McDonald's and that is an eat to win moment mm. because I'm fucking here at McDonald's <laughs> and I'm having a double quarter pounder. Yeah. And that's good times. And yeah. I know that, I know that you feel that. Like I know that everyone, you know, or most people are like, ah, McDonald's man. Like, yeah, you know? And so, because it, in that moment, in that context, it's an appreciation of food. Right. So, so, you know, I often get asked the question like, well, what, what is eat to win? And so it's, it's really, if I boil it down, it's that, it's that relationship with food. I'm huge on, I really enjoy cooking mm. and I really enjoy good food. And I like, I enjoy sort of, I enjoy diversity of food. I like trying to play with things from different, from different uh, cuisines. Mm. I like going to Marco's grandma's place and having, <laughs> oh, what the fuck is this? You yeah, know, yeah, we had yeah. to, you know, like I really enjoy those experiences. And I think that, um, for so many people in our in our realm of like fitness and health and training food became has become very much just a functional thing it's like what are my macros you know i I get my protein from the chicken breast and the rice and i get the greens from the broccoli um and and i it's a bit of a pushback against that because as much as i see that is important i also really love just that that enjoyment of food particularly like from european culture right mm. where like food is such a, a centerpiece of get-togethers and socializing and whatnot so eat to win sits somewhere in the middle where it's yeah. like well let's let's hit our goals let's do what like let's be the person we want to be through food but let's also like let's keep that thing where food's something special yeah that i'm glad you mentioned that because i think a lot of people assume that when you work with a nutritionist or a, you're gonna have to cut out the things that you enjoy it's not true because I love food and I eat a huge variety of food. And remember you commented on one of my Instagram videos when I cooked like a ribeye and a beautiful lunch you, know you cook for yourself. Um, it, food has more value than just a unit. It's not just a unit of measure. And when you actually look at the healthiest people in the world, like the blue zones of the world, they don't count their macros. They don't restrict anything in particular, but they have a intuitive knowledge of what they're eating and how they're preparing it and what's seasonal and what isn't. And that all, ha- all has to do with cooking and knowledge that's been passed down. And that's what we've lost. Now we're just completely disconnected to some people. Like the, the first win for one of our patients is when they start to connect the dots of why they feel the way they feel that day. So if someone wakes up with a headache and they go, actually yesterday I had that to eat or that to drink and this morning I've got a migraine. That makes makes sense and they connect the dots and they start to learn how to manage their own health and what to eat and what not to eat it's when people have no idea you know they'll have like a it's like people people I mean, people will have like a iced chocolate and a croissant for breakfast and like i don't know why i feel so shit by 3 p.m <laughs> like it's you know it, but when they start to connect those dots and learn intuitively about foods and that's that's a win that's eating to win right there that's eating to win yeah and so yeah, I mean, tell, tell me this, because um, 
you know, something something that I learned because I here's a like a personal journey, and I've spoken about this before. I won't go too deep, but when I've when I was really hardcore in the movement realm, mm. it was, I was crossing. I was doing a lot of CrossFit, calisthenics, that kind of thing, and then I got into movement. Met Ido Portal, started training under him, opened the gym. All of a sudden, my life became based around movement. Huge amount of training. Shit, I was doing jiu-jitsu at the same time. Mm. Huge physical output. Mid-20s, so I can do whatever the fuck I want. Mm. Didn't eat any carbs. Right? Um, because uh, uh, my impre- I, was, I was like following the paleo thing. Mm. And it was, you know, and, and I know that paleo is not necessarily low carbs, but that was how I was interpreting it. And it was like meat and high protein, high fat, you know, some vegetables, but nothing that was no carbohydrates really. Um, very caffeinated over those years. Mm-hmm. Like I had to be. Um, the, I started to get some influence that was like from the strength realm that was like, man, sometimes the healthiest thing for you when you're training hard is to order a muffin with your coffee or to have some ice cream. Like sometimes that's just what you buy. And I started to come around to this idea of, fuck, I probably need to just eat some shit sometimes. And, and I realized looking back, I was undernourished, right? Yeah. Kept me lean, but I was undernourished. So, you know, and obviously seeking nourishment is not necessarily have a bowl of ice cream, but there, I could see the case for, dude, sometimes it's better for you just to get more calories in. Yeah. What, what's, an interesting, um, what's an interesting sort of paradox though is that that's like in that context for that person who's been living that way, that's okay. But for, for someone who's like been consistently maybe under eating yeah. or protein deficient, but they're overweight, maybe too much alcohol, like someone who you described yeah. who grabs a, an, you know, an iced coffee and a croissant on the way to work and yeah. For that person, no, not a bowl of ice cream after dinner. Like you don't, you don't need more calories. Like we're talking about two different parties. Two different people. Yeah, Very and so and is it is it kind of when it when you boil it down to to that end of the discussion, is it kind of group A, group B, or are there more groups? Oh, everything's individual, right? Because so the challenge is with athletes, the challenge or with people who train a lot, the challenge is how can we get enough nourishment in? without eating really poor quality foods that can trigger autoimmune conditions or digestive issues. So yeah, you can have ice cream, but what if you have a problem with dairy, right? Or, you know, so how do we get enough nourishment in? Because clean foods, quote unquote, like you need to eat a pretty high volume to get enough calories in, right? But when you look at things like, like hypothalamic amenorrhea where female hormones just shut down, it's not just the overall calorie count that's low. Even if you just restrict one of the macronutrients and your calories stay the same, that can cause it also. So if you completely cut out carbs, even if you still have a normal calorie count, that will cause problems. So my rule is generally if you live a, like me at the moment, I don't, my activities, I would say medium compared to what I used to do. It's not as high. So I don't eat as many carbs. Most of my carbs are at night. During the day, I tend to eat pretty much fat, protein, some fruit here and there, um, water and coffee. That's basically the diet. But if I was training in the morning and training again at night and I, I would be eating pretty big breakfast, pretty big lunch, 
carbs with every meal. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, no one, the, the answer is it depends <laughs> on the individual, right? Which is not the answer everyone wants, but it really does. It depends. Makes sense. But but even in that way, it's it, yeah, there's... Yeah, no, nah, it does depend. The thing with, with guys like you and like people that do that, jump all in with things, you tend to go extreme. You tend to go, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm just going to do completely zero carbs and that's just how I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you operate on the extremes of the spectrum. It's true. I find it personally very interesting with, with food from that point of view because... I will do that for a period and be militant about it. And then I will soften. I'll go, okay, cool. That's cool. We've done that. And then I'll go, hey, let's, you know, whatever. Have a couple of bits of toast at breakfast. And mm. yeah, it's cool. Pump a bit more rice and whatever. And then before you know it, I buy chocolate milk from the service <laughs> station. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. oh, I'm sugar has just found its way back into my diet. See, this is some people can do the whole, if it fits your macros, calorie counting, eat whatever you want, as long as you can have it within reason like some people can do that i can't do that i mean I, I i could i don't do it very well me i prefer to have just rules it's a yeah it's ones and zeros i'm like i'm either doing it or i'm not yeah you know so for me it's like no bread no pasta zero no cereal absolutely zero yeah so i so that i remove the decision making process yeah it's not even a choice anymore and and that's just how I prefer to do it. Some people are different. Some people can do the, I'll have a little bit and add it to my tracking app. And for me, I'm like, no. Nah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's an efficiency to your decision-making. When I want to lose weight, when I feel like I've gotten a little bit too heavy and I want to lose some fat, I basically just go, I'm going to eat uh, greens, meat, fruit, water, coffee, and that's it. And there's, when I go grocery shopping, that's what I buy. And when I cook, that's what I cook. And, it's efficient. It's easy. I don't have to count calories. That's just what I do. Yeah. Um, I try to remove decision-making as much as hum like clear mental bandwidth because human error is the most common error. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll definitely, if you have the choice, you can't rely on your discipline, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. We had um, Luke Tullock who's been on the show a couple of times. He's a bodybuilder who's studied neuroscience. Yeah. But he said the same thing. He said a lot of the time it just works easy to draw a line in the sand and go, I don't do that ever. Yeah. You know, or for this period of time. Yeah, exactly. And, right. and, I, and, I, and I think back to that, I have done, I've taken a flexible sort of dieting approach, mm -hmm. tracking macros and stuff to eating before. And it's a, for me, it's really fucking boring. Like oh. it's a shit fight. Whereas I think back to when I just didn't really eat carbs, that was simple. You know, so being able to say, well, I don't eat these specific foods, no problem. Yeah. And it all leads to the same thing. Like it's, yes, you cut calories and that's why you're losing weight. Yeah. But which system do you want to use? Which one works better for you, right? Um, so for me, rules just work. I just don't do it. Um, there's a lot of things like that in my life. I just don't do that. Um, I'm trying to think of another example. I don't know, there's lots like drugs and whatever, right? I just don't take drugs, do do drugs sometimes? Uh, occasionally uh, CBD oil yep. with THC. Um, otherwise, no. Never? Never tried anything else. Not even at the Jungle Brothers Christmas party? I'd love to, my, I'd love to do mushrooms. That's something that I really want to do soon. Yep. 
my girlfriend and I want to do it together, actually. Cool. Um, that's something I definitely want to get into. Uh, but otherwise, no. no. It doesn't appeal to me. I guess caffeine's a drug. Uh, yeah. That appeals to me. Yeah. <laughs> you hear Michael Pollan talk about caffeine? Not much, no. What does he say? I, uh, I, I like Michael Pollan, actually. He's great, Very huh? Good. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I, I've never read any of his books, but they all look amazing. Mm. Cooked, the series on Netflix. Yeah. For anyone that's not familiar with Michael Pollan, there's a three-part series or four-part Cooked, which is amazing. So I've watched it a couple of times. It's great. But I believe I heard him talking about his most recent book, or it could have been the one before that, on a podcast. Um, and he was talking, I think he's talking, he did one that was about the use of psychedelics how to change your mind yeah yeah and then i think he's he's done one since then which was about caffeine and sugar and maybe something else Mm -hmm. and i just remember hearing him talk about he went off caffeine for six months or whatever yeah and then that was on the rogan yeah yeah and then the the morning where he went to the cafe for the first <laughs> time with his when he sat there in the sun and he ordered a cappuccino or whatever, but the way he describes it and he, he's like, it was the most it was like one of the most powerful of all the drugs. Yeah. In that moment, it like hit him where he's like, oh my god, like this is, this is a full on experience I'm having. And I think he had to leave because he was like, this is getting a bit too intense. Yeah. But he was just speaking to the the potency of caffeine but the fact that most of us just dose with it so consistently i love it like, oh i mean who doesn't i love coffee but again it, people so actually when i was driving here i was thinking of things that we would talk about and like that's one of the things where people latch onto the low-hanging fruit so for example they go oh, i'm going to cut coffee because that's how i'm going to get healthier no, you don't need to cut coffee you need to fix all these other big things that you're doing you can still have your coffee Right, you don't need to give up everything you love, but maybe you can get more sleep. Maybe you don't have to kill yourself at the gym every day, and and then you don't have to rely on coffee so much. So people latch onto the low hanging fruit. Another big one is organic versus non organic food. Mm. You know, do I need to buy all organic? No, you don't have to. You can get really healthy eating non organic. You don't have to buy grass fed beef. Is it better? Yes, but if it Makes it if it if it's the decision between am I going to eat a healthier meal non-organic, or just eat whatever I am because I can't have full organic? Well, I would just choose a non-organic healthier meal. Yeah, right. It's just humans have this thing. We have the fallacy. We think we do everything a hundred percent. And I hear this all the time from people. They go, um, "I'm I'm the type. I'm either an all in or all out type of person." No, you're not. Nobody does anything a hundred percent. In fact, it's better to do something eighty percent than zero percent. It's better to turn up to a gym three times a week than none at all. Uh, JT would argue that. What, uh, what's JT's? <laughs> JT believes that you're lowering the you're lowering the bar by doing you're giving people an out. Oh, am I? Well, I it I depends don't. Depends what they want. I don't I don't I don't disagree <laughs> with you, but I believe something is better than nothing. Mm. JT believes not. It it reduces the standard. I say that because he he hung out with Raz, you know Raspberry Ape. No. Dan Strauss is a grappler from the UK. Oh, Dan, yeah, 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 I do, yeah. yeah. Thick. Thick, does yeah. all the grip training. Yeah. Um, yeah, JT went and hung out with him and they, they trained and podcasted together and whatever. And JT's <laughs> like, bro, because I don't know if you know, but on the Bulletproof podcast, JT and I regularly disagree on I things. I saw some of them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I like it. I, I'm the voice of reason. He's the extreme guy. Yeah. And uh, he, 
And Raspberry 8 was like, blah, 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 something, something is better than nothing. And JT was like, no, it's not, Dan. And Dan's like, you know, they had a disagreement. And Dan said to him after the show, he said, the first time anyone disagreed with me on the podcast, which, you know, they, it was great. It was amicable. Yeah. You know, he, I think he enjoyed it. But I, I was like, fuck. It, just interesting, right? Like, I do, I do believe that. Yeah. Something is better than nothing. If it's whatever you can give me. Yeah. If it's 40%. Yeah. Not ideal, but but it's better than zero. Exactly, yeah. I remember being when I was training at TriStar, George used to teach George Sempier used to teach a class every Monday. And so you used to you used to get to train with George? Yeah, he's awesome, dude. Dude. He's he's amazing. And he said something that I'll never forget. He we finished the class and he's like forty what George is forty one, forty two years old and still in really good shape. The guy like at the lean fit trains with everyone he could fight now and still probably win right he's very very like in very good shape and he said he, he he's like guys you know i'm 41 42 and i'm still able to train and move and do all these things and it's and a lot of the guys that i started with aren't able to do that and it's because of the way that i train and he said in his, in his like quebecois accent he was like you know it's better to do a little bit a lot than a lot a little bit mm-hmm <laughs> Better to turn up every day and do 40 minutes, an hour, every single day, a little bit, a lot, than to turn up once a week and do three, four hours. And the other analogy I use is like brushing your teeth. You know, you brush your teeth for three minutes in the morning, three minutes at night, six minutes a day, multiply that by the month, works out to be like 180 minutes. Why don't you just do it once a month for 180 minutes? <laughs> doesn't work like that, doesn't does it? doesn't work like that. Neither does skill building, neither does health. You can't just eat. I mean, you know, you can't sleep 48 hours once a month or once a week. You have to sleep every night and you have to move every day. Is it the case that anything physiologic, your, your physiology requires consistency? Is that, is that if, if we, you know, because I've used the toothbrushing thing with... Um, mobility? Uh, yeah, with mobility, but also discussing like... Um, People missing workouts, something mm. like that. Hey, I didn't do this. I, you know, I didn't do that. You know, what, I didn't get enough protein today. Yeah. You know, say. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Your physiology doesn't really recognize, like your physiology doesn't really recognize necessarily what you did or didn't do today. Your physiology recognizes what you do consistently all the time. Yeah. So if you don't brush your teeth tonight, you won't have bad dental health tomorrow. Yeah. But if you don't brush your teeth every night, or every morning for the next two months, we got problems. Yeah, it's a compounding effect. Yeah, yeah it, it, I'm just trying to think though, is that the case for most physiological? No, that's Pretty much, yeah. Yeah? Pretty much, yeah. So what you want to do, because there will be times, like the whole mission mission statement of, our, our, of the business that we've built is- What's the name of the business? Humanly. Humanly. Yeah. So the idea behind the, the name is, I've taken resilience or resilient and humans, and I've just put it together in one word, <laughs> humanly, resilient humans. And the idea is like, yes, you're going to run into trouble. Yes, you're going to have a baby and you're going to be sleep deprived. Yes, you're going to have an injury and you're going to have to have surgery and you won't be able to exercise. Shit happens, right? But how resilient, resiliency is being able to bounce back from that shit from a physiological standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then metabolic reserve is the ability to withstand that long-term how much reserve do you have to go through a long period of shit, right? Because everyone's like, you can't avoid the shit. 
shit just comes at you. <laughs> it's life. Yeah. You know, it, it things happen and and why not set yourself up from a physiological health standpoint to be as resilient as possible so that you can bounce back. Mm. That's the idea. Metabolic reserve, I really like that as a just as a way to like as a, yeah. a visualization. It's like what are your what stocks have you built here? that are going to lay to endure some hard times. Well, let's think about muscle, muscle mass. That's metabolic reserve for later in life. The more muscle you have, the more you can maintain, the less likely that you will fall and fracture your hip and have all these issues. So that's reserves. Same thing nutritionally, like your state of health, your blood work, your like overall, your vitamin D levels, your B12, your protein stores. These are all reserves for when you go through a period where you have to for whatever reason, not be that healthy, whether you work more or you have a kid or whatever happens. So if you, I mean, God forbid you get in an accident and you have to have a emergency surgery. If you're in a better state of health, less risk of something going wrong. Something as simple as that. Yeah. We, we use, uh, we, we visualize or our, our business is modeled very much on a similar quality. Mm. The word that we use is robustness yep. and durability yeah. and kind of speaking to the same thing. And we're obviously, we, we, te- we do look at it from health, but we are obviously more interested in the physical. We believe that's, you know, largely the pathway often to the, to the rest of it. Um, but it's, uh, it's that same idea. It's like, are you developing health or, or a structure? Mm. You, that could be whatever you want that is robust it can handle some hard times it can handle some rough play you want to play jiu-jitsu you want to jump out in the soccer pitch you want to go to Papua New Guinea and do the Kokoda Trail this holidays like yep. are you tough enough for that but then also can you endure it like are you durable and can your can your joints handle this shit you know yeah and that that kind of I guess I should re- rewind a bit and talk about the chronic stress to bring it back up because I, I did paint a pretty bad picture of if you work and this and that, but you can withstand that stress. Like it just needs to be a conscious decision and you need to be in the state of health to be able to do it. So if you want to sprint for 12 months and make as much money as possible and do these things, that's fine. I want you to do that because avoiding stress is avoiding life. Everything is stressful, even positive things like having a child and moving houses or starting a business. That's stressful. Stress is, correct me if I'm wrong, but the original, um, connotate like the original definition of the word stress was not negative or positive it really just uh, stimulus it's a load isn't it yeah, yeah. It's stimulus that's all but, it is but the way that we perceive it now is that stress is bad yeah 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 but the idea is like you want stress otherwise you, like bubble boy right you avoid the world you avoid doing anything you avoid achieving anything of significance but just build a a foundation first of health that can withstand that stress. Because listen to Islam Makachev talk about his camp oh, yeah. for, for um, Charles Oliveira. And he said the first month of camp always starts with weight training. Ah, oh, really? Yeah. So he does a month of weight strength training. And then the second two, the next two months are all wrestling sparring jiu-jitsu because he goes, I can't be weight training while I'm doing that stuff because then that stuff isn't as efficient as, as effective because I'm exhausted so the first month starts with building the strength foundation wow so that he can then maintain the next two months of sparring and jiu-jitsu and whatever he's doing ah that's really interesting yeah 
it makes perfect sense. Okay. Foundation. Same thing with... To, to your point about, you know, that it's not like that picture you painted being dark. And I mean, sure, in that, from that point of view it is. But I, I guess the other thing to, to say is like, if everything is a trade-off. Yeah. So if you are living in that, as you said, so if you are living in that way, yep. it's fine. Like that is, that is your choice. That is your, your free will as a human. And 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 maybe maybe for some people it is it is not it is something they have to do, mm. right? And that is just the case for a lot of people on this planet. They don't have the choice. It's just this is what you got to do. Yeah, it's the opportunity that's present. Take it. Otherwise, you yep. won't survive. Um, but to like, you can still approach that in an intentional manner. So I think like say for I I I know like in the past I've. Comment. I remember posting something on my Facebook years ago about some of the downsides of um, corporate clothing and particularly the footwear. Mm. There was a guy that used to train at the gym, older fella, who got really upset by it and came hard. And, mate, you fucking shouldn't, you know, there's people out there working harder. And I was like, whoa, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I'm just saying that your shoes are fucked, <laughs> you know? Don't come to me when you can't walk properly. Yeah. Um, but you can so you can so awareness is the first thing yeah. and if you can know hey okay you might be stuck in this cycle and you might not have a choice to get out of it right now but there are things that you can do you can work on that perhaps you can start to change in your life or even just shift perspectives and that will allow you to live better live healthier enjoy yourself more and if you don't if you're fine just where you're at then you can stay there too yeah right like it's all it, that like that side of it is a choice yeah look like don't get me wrong i i do that too like n my life isn't entirely healthy like there are days where i work a 14 hour day um and forget to eat <laughs> happens happened to me today yeah but i know i'm doing it yeah and i'll know the next day that i've done it and i'll know why i feel shit and i'll know why i didn't sleep well and and then i'll do some things to fix it right so it's just being like, awareness, knowing why you're reacting and why you're feeling the way you're feeling or why your health is not doing so well. And then having the skills or someone to help you kind of rebalance that. But yeah, no one's, no one's perfect. It's not to say that you should never do that. Like I'm driven. I want to build the biggest integrative health business on the planet if it's up to me, right? I want to serve people from all around the world who can't get access to things like this from Australia need it when you got 65 children yeah exactly right alhamdulillah <laughs> <laughs> but um it's it's yeah we all have that but it's just about making that conscious decision and like you know i wasn't always there i remember doing things and not understanding why i did them I'm like, why the fuck am i doing this like why am i working so hard or why am i fighting mma that was a big one it's like why am i doing this oh uh, yeah yeah like, why were you doing it probably approval probably because that's what i identified as and then i was like if i stop i'll let people down yeah and then who am i the coach the guys at the gym that's that's who i am yeah that's my status yeah that's probably why i did it so understanding that and having the awareness to go like oh, fuck that's it's not a good reason to do it it's not going to get me through the tough losses and the tough training camps it's not it's not a big enough why yep yeah marco i really enjoyed our chat today 
Me too, man. That was uh, that was good. I feel like we could talk about it a lot. Yeah, I think we should do it again. We should. Can you um can you tell the folks where they can find your business and you you know whatever you got to plug? Yeah, so Marco's Daily Dose on Instagram. That's with a K. The website is humanlywellness.com. H-U-M-A-N-L-I wellness.com. Um, Facebook, Marco Popolkowski. There's only one. You'll, you'll find it. <laughs> Does every Macedonian last name end in ski? Like 90% of them, yeah. Okay. And then the even more confusing, female would end in an A. Oh. It's like my sister's name is Popolkowska. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, shit. I never knew that. It's male and female, yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, you guys can find us uh, on those platforms. We have a newsletter as well that I write to every now and again. But, yeah, that's it. Man, I think, um, yeah, I, I love that. Shining a bit of a light on just those key things. Um, maybe next time we can talk deeper on those five elements. I really like those those five pillars that you mentioned. Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be, I'll prepare some stuff. Good. Okay. We'll get into the specifics. Thank you, man. Thank you. Guys, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Links to everything that Marco mentioned are in the show notes, so you can click through there, check out his work. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. Helps to support the show, and it helps to get good conversations out there so more people can live better. Thank you, fam. We'll catch you next week. (laughs) 